Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I am Molly Herford, and when I'm not suffering my way up or down hills, I am probably home writing about it or, in this case, speaking about it. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and endurance coach, and you are here on the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we talk about different movements and we talk to people that do different movements in sports and try and learn something and maybe apply it back to whatever crazy thing you're doing. I'm so proud. That's like two weeks oh, in a row. Yeah, my, my radio voice. Maybe I'm maybe I'm doing it. Yeah, good job, dear. Yeah. Anyway, what's new with you? First time racing in a few weeks for actually both of us. Well, I don't know that I raced, but I participated in an event. But, Cue intense eye roll from me you, here. You were first. You ran a race here in actually in, locally in town. We're trying to do more things locally, so you've done a good job of that. Yeah, the uh, the Summit 700 is this really cool event at the Blue Mountains. Um, it's not 700 meters of climbing. It's actually 1,000 meters of climbing for the 21K distance, which is what I did. But the 700 refers to a 700-foot timed climb segment during the run. Uh, super well put on race. I mean, there were about 700 people in the 6, 10, and 21K distances combined. So pretty big fields and pretty intense fields and... Yeah, I was super stoked. I jumped into the 21K and didn't really know how it would go. It's not a distance I'm super familiar with. And, you know, I was a little little nervous about that much climbing. But, yeah, ended up winning the women's race and 16th, you know, out of everyone, including all the dudes. So and It was good. It was like I, there was a few people I talked to beforehand and they had like traveled. There's people who came up from the States even yeah, for yeah. it. And quite a, I don't want to call you all lemmings, but there was quite a lemming line going up the ski hill so it's cool cool to see that locally except in in the case of lemmings they're usually going off a cliff we were going up, up. one <laughs> yes climbing up the cliff <laughs> so yeah it was uh it was good my achilles definitely were a little grumpy the next day my hip flexors were a little grumpy but well, we were assessing your calf last week and we found that uh, you don't have a lot of calf mobility no, but I've got a lot of calf muscle. So that is true. I guess you've <laughs> you've armored yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a uh, yeah super super. And then good we were day. also you escorted me to the Horseshoe Canada Cup. So this is the preamble to our Canadian Nationals next weekend for mountain biking. Yes. So it was good. Always good to see lots of people. There's a lot of Shred Girl shirts running around. And yeah, that was like the coolest part of it, actually. Yeah. It was just kind of seeing... Really good community. Yeah. Seeing all the, the girls and chatting with some that are, you know, have had the book for a couple months now and have finished reading it. And, you know, they're telling me about their favorite parts and, you know, characters they like and stuff. And it's been super cool. So if you are listening and you're going to be at Nationals or an event that we're at anytime soon and you've read the book or your daughter has read the book, or your son, or whoever, uh, you know, come up and chat with us. It's been really fun meeting everybody. Yeah, I was riding with a client today, and she was saying she saw you on the trail, and she didn't want to, like, creep you out, and I said she should definitely... Definitely creep me out? Yeah. I mean, far from the creepiest thing that's happened, right? It's definitely so. true. Yeah, so today we have a Q&A episode. Yeah, we got a lot of... We're not going to get to all the questions, so I apologize for that, but we'll, we picked some of the... I guess more, not advanced, but more sciencey ones that I want to pull a little bit more information or maybe even get, try and, uh, what, what are we talking about? Trying to, in, when we're doing an interview with someone who's 
a physiologist or something maybe tie that in yeah exactly so definitely keep your questions coming it's it's actually really awesome to have a big backlog because it means we can do a lot more research on them beforehand well and maybe even just like theme the episodes a bit too. yeah exactly yeah. so yeah keep them coming it's you know you can find us at consummateathlete.com and we have a contact form there or just hit us up at peter glassford or at molly j herford on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever Consummate, wherever books are sold. Consummate Athletes also on Facebook, so a lot of people follow it that way, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, all right, without further ado... I can't read that far, do you? What's the first one? Of course I can read that far. It's, it's my superpower. Um, so our first question is from Michael, and he asked about how stand-up desks affect recovery. He is... 53-year-old cyclocrosser, and he has an office job, and he stands till his legs get tired and sits till his back hurts, which I guess is sort of the kind of constant uh, circle of office work, for sure. Um, And yeah, he he has Monday and Friday as easy days, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday hard, Wednesday and Sunday are endurance. And also, he's a Wide Angle Podium subscriber, and just a quick shout out to the fact that we are on the Wide Angle Podium network awesome network of rad podcasts so if you're you know into cycling in particular definitely check out some of their other shows yeah they do all sorts of stuff they have they're like betting now there's a betting pool oh dear yeah yeah is, check out wide angle podium is, is that legal in ontario can we can we I say that uh, i don't know it's on <laughs> it's online so it's probably fine um yeah check that out there's uh you can donate there to any of the shows all of the shows and then like i say they do a lot of different stuff and then there's cx harris does a lot of coverage uh so help bill out too because he's doing pretty much single-handedly doing a lot of video coverage for a lot of cycling stuff so i think Ooh, and you can listen to my episode on bill's show someone just listen to that so they're getting ready for cyclocross i guess it's coming we should answer this question though yes we should <laughs> so I think the the first thing to kind of mention is there's there's sort of two things that I think of when I thought about this is, you know, on one hand, there's what's going to be good for you as a racer. And then on the other hand, it's what's, you know, a quote unquote healthy lifestyle. And, you know, those two things don't always perfectly align. So I think that's that's maybe the first point to make. Yeah, I mean, there's maybe like that elite performance, right? But a lot of us aren't elite um so fair enough fair enough and and so i think maybe like your peak week maybe you want to like just be careful with how much you're on your legs and stuff like a national championship or like your goal race of the season kind of thing but i think also if it's your normal right like i have a a couple clients who are you know in the landscaping or whatever they're on their feet like they're not desk jobs like they're physical jobs um and i mean they just they might take a Friday off or, you know, even maybe they try and position their, this is my working person's peak, right? Like it almost doesn't matter the training, you know, sort of keep it up, maybe drop your volume a bit, try and sleep a bit more. Uh, but a lot of it is just trying to drop some of that lifestyle stress. So I think it's good. You're thinking about the standing desk, but it sounds like you have a great routine and that's just your normal. So it sounds like you've, you've adapted to that, right? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I'm kind of curious about is the, I mean, legs get tired. Yeah, for sure. That's going to happen when you're standing, but I think if your back hurts when you're you're sitting in your chair, it might be time to look at the, you know, setup of your desk and your desk chair. There might be a way to make the chair a little well, bit I'm of more. Two minds. I'm of two minds with that because, like, sometimes if you get sore, like, that's why, like, sitting on the floor is nice because you, you have, you, you will get uncomfortable and you'll be shifting around. 
So I'm almost of two minds. Like maybe you, you know, if you do get sore, then maybe it's okay. And you like, will shift and, you know, maybe put one foot up on the chair for a bit. And then maybe you could do a lunge on the floor for a while. And then maybe you can stand, but then you could stand and put one foot up on like a bar or like a box or something. Actually, you've been a big fan of that. Like a lot of standing desks, I feel like don't have that. But I mean, the reason that bars have that, the bar, the literal, like the literal pipe or bar at the you know, bottom of it that's about, you know, like mid mid calf height, say, yeah. is because it's the most comfortable to stand with your foot For up a long on that. time. Yeah. Um, so a lot of standing desks, I don't think come with that. So just throwing a little you know, shoebox or something under there that you can and prop your foot up. Cause on. that's really what you're looking for is the variety. Right. And I think that's almost an aside to the, like, should I be standing all day before my big race of the year? And I'm, again, I think I would almost be looking more like, can I take a vacation day and like live like a cyclocross professional and like go pre-ride the course and then lay in the hotel bed watching Netflix for the all of Friday. So that on Saturday morning, you know, you're super ready to go. Mm-hmm. And my experience, like I, we walk a lot. Um, I was actually thinking we haven't been walking as much recently. I, I attribute that to my poor performance on the weekend, actually. Yeah. We've, well, it's been pretty hectic here, to yeah. be totally honest. Well, and I've been running more, but that's, again, aside. But the, the key, you know, we walk a lot, and that's our normal, so maybe analogous to your standing desk. But then I would just not walk a ton the day or two ahead of, like, a big cross-country mountain bike race. And you just try and drop that. And that's working person's peak, right? We're just dropping some of that volume out. So I think that's the way I would think about it is, sure, sit a little bit more at the office if you can't take the day off. If you can take the day off, like there was, is it an Eddie Merrick's quote? The like, if you can't, if you have to, if you can't, I can't remember how it worked. Essentially, it was like a ladder. Like, if you can, why stand if you can sit and then. Why sit if you can lay? Yes, essentially, you're going to lay and watch Netflix in the hotel room. Yeah, which sounds great, but. (laughs) it's the pro-life right and so we're just trying to find those those days and and again that's not every cyclocross like i think most of us just show up at the cyclocross race and and race right but Mm -hmm. um, now how do you how do you feel about maybe like a knee-high compression sock or something maybe on some of those days yeah i mean i think it probably would make you feel better like i think a lot of people like cashiers and stuff really like that i know Mm -hmm. when i was working in a bike shop more i would even use that a bit um when you can't like i think there's the evidence i would say is moderate probably for that but i think the like the feeling off of it is probably really good Mm -hmm. and and i mean we know that in those like standing where you're not actively walking so then you lose your muscle pump to circulate blood so that's why compression stockings right like in airplanes and um i guess it was with diabetics and stuff right 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 so where they need that help yeah and actually uh throwing this out there you can go to pretty much any drugstore and get compression socks that are more for diabetics versus like sport compression socks that aren't going to be quite as compressive so if you're kind of looking for a slightly milder compression sock they're cheaper and they you know you can wear them all day without feeling like it's just really constrictive because i have trouble wearing full-on compression socks i think it's hard to avoid like a warmer one yeah i mean ultimately like there's a lot more of it around i don't think they're as expensive as they were so i mean that's that's a great thought too like even maybe that's something you phase in and you don't have to do in your normal day and then maybe race week you do try that a bit more and Mm -hmm. very least it's a placebo exactly 
And then I think the the only other thing is just making sure your standing desk is set up really comfortably. Um, like so, for example, we have one, and I still have a bit of trouble with it because my monitor is not lifted. Peter has like a second monitor that's actually lifted, so it's more at his eye level, so he's not constantly looking down while he's standing. Um, and I think some people might fall victim to that. I I don't know what your setup looks like, so. Uh, but just trying to optimize the actual setup itself and making sure that it's you know, extremely, like really comfortable for when you are standing. And Katie Bowman, who we had on the podcast ages ago, I think would also point out, like, it depends on, you know, what shoes you're wearing. If you're wearing, you know, business, business style shoes, uh, you might want to think about even taking them off and putting on, like putting on a barefoot shoe while you're, you know, in your office. Um, yeah. Or even just going barefoot if, if you can. Out, or just your socks. Yeah. I mean, maybe an aside to race yeah, performance again but, not quite race performance but as long as we're talking standing desks right um yeah hopefully hopefully that helps so yeah let us let us know um next question also in terms of cyclocross because wide angle podium is clearly already on the cross is coming bandwagon i feel like kind of across all of the shows we're all like itching to get there a little bit why what have you seen well, these questions came in via Wide Angle Podium retweeting oh, okay. my call out for questions, but also I just feel like right. knowing our knowing our Wide Angle Podium audience, we're all pretty stoked. Let's be honest. I guess a lot of the shows are themed that way, so. Yeah. Oh, I should actually point out we're, we're planning some cyclocross clinics, so check smartathlete.ca for those, or if you're interested in having one around you, definitely hit us up. Um, anyway, this question is from Alex. If I race 40 minute cross races and can get on the trainer four times a week, but can't get in the seemingly mandatory three hour work, three hour weekend ride, am I doomed? Dun, dun, dun. I don't know if it's like mandatory every week. No, but I think that's, I think it's, it's a social media mandatory. We're going to put, we're going to say, I don't know. I feel like that stuff gets overlooked. Like I'm happy that they're asking about this, but I feel like everyone's on this like high intensity, like, you don't got to do anything. and Oh, see, I think it's, I would say on my social media, I see the opposite. I see like, if you didn't ride a hundred miles, did you even ride? Yeah, but that's not a three hour ride. Okay. Yeah. Like that's, I don't know. I feel like, I think okay, that either way we can't do it. Volume is nice. It's definitely like, we know that it should help most people, especially when you're not already at the limits of volume. Right. And again, maybe not in race week, but it is helpful. So I think the the first thing I always push people on a bit is could you some weeks, you know, could you get that chance to go and get, especially during the summer or the like cyclocross base season. Like if you can find the odd one, even if you have to shift like a Steven Seiler idea is that like some people would be even better some weeks um, or some phases of the year where if you can ride four times, you might be better riding even three times and trying to shift that and say to your family or whatever, um, you know, I'm going to be there an extra night of the week, but this night of the week, I'm going to be gone for three hours. Right. And, and sometimes that's actually better that you're actually around an extra night. Um, and that might just be for a month of the year even. Right. Um, so sometimes I, I push people on that. I think, you know, for the nice thing about cyclocross is it's only 40 minutes, right? So you can, you can train fairly specifically 
That right? is the nice thing, yes. You you thought too, like I guess the trainer thing is what you were thinking. Maybe if you can get outside to the park or the backyard and do some skills just to increase that specificity. Yeah, to me, the three-hour ride is nowhere near as important as a skills practice once a week. So, I mean, you know, whether that's actually going to a skills practice or... You know, I would set up barriers in my backyard and mm-hmm. I didn't have a big backyard. We're not talking like, oh, I have tons of land and I'm like creating this awesome cyclocross course. No, I had like, you know, a 30 foot by 40 foot backyard and I had cross barriers set up in it that I made with PVC and I'd go out and I'd practice my remounts and my dismounts and I'd set up one little corner and, you know, work on my cornering and all that stuff. And you don't need a lot, Noah, um, in the Ryan Leach course I did last year for dismounts and mounts for cyclocross uh, we like that was a big part of that sort of the setup process uh, was to get sort of a say 400 meter or what is that a quarter of a mile type loop that's very dense in obstacles or corners or you know just things uh, so it's actually fairly hectic so you're like cornering and then dismounting and then running up and then dismounting or whatever right and um, for practice, right? Like that, if you take 40 minutes and you get like, think about how many you could get in a you know quarter mile. Yeah. Um, a lot of reps. Yeah. Cause I think, I think that's a good point that like, if you're talking about cyclocross, especially or any off-road discipline, there is that skill component, right? And the people that are just butter smooth, you know, on a barrier and in corners, you know, you can get away with not a ton of fitness. You can sort of, it's sort of like even crit racing, right? Where there's the people who have just done it for years and they know where to be and when to expend the fitness they have the energy they have Mm -hmm. so i think definitely if i could get you outside and i think that could start anytime right like cross is coming yeah exactly we'll be the first to say it yeah uh yeah you heard it here first folks uh the other thing would just be making sure your cross bike is the one that's on the trainer um i know a lot of the time you end up with a road bike on the trainer but making sure that you at least spend some time on your cyclocross bike. I guess especially if you weren't outside or at least the road bike set up similar maybe. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, you're, I think you're like, you're playing that specificity game, right? Yeah. Um, and then Peter, I want you to talk about maybe a couple of trainer workouts that would be particularly good for cyclocross. But the other thing I wanted to add is, okay, so you're racing cyclocross. You know, typically we race Saturday and Sunday with cyclocross. That's, you know, pretty par for the course. Most races are both days. Um, you know, it's it's maybe an unpopular opinion to say this, but could you race on Saturday and do a long ride on Sunday for part of the season or every other weekend? Yeah. Um, you know, if if that's if you're you know if you have the time to do full weekends of cyclocross racing, you could probably do really well to sacrifice a couple of the races for a couple longer days on the the Sunday. Probably not yeah. do your long day on the Saturday and then try to race Sunday, but. Yeah, no, I wish I, I push for that pretty heavy for sure. That Saturday race, Sunday endurance, and then sort of cruise through the week, midweek intensity, and then do it again. And you could still enjoy, you know, being at the cyclocross race. You know, you can ride there or, you know, you start your ride from there or any any number of ways. You can still be at the race and see your friends and stuff. Yeah, it is interesting. Like, so that is sometimes it doesn't occur. That's a good point that sometimes it doesn't occur to us to racers that you know sometimes the race is not the best choice Um, and with cyclocross it's very tempting that like every race needs to be done but again a lot of us aren't aren't elites we're not pros right Mm -hmm. and so sometimes it's better like the family again is much happier if you get up at you know 
whatever time you have to get up at on Sunday, you'll probably feel a little crummy. Um, but you just roll, you know, if you could roll three hours the day after that race and then recover through the week, it's not a bad little setup. Mm-hmm. So if you had, say, an hour on the trainer and you knew you were going to be racing cyclocross, what kind of workout would you aim for? I mean, it depends a little bit on the person, but again, when you don't have a lot of time, you're sort of stuck a little bit with that sweet spot type stuff. But I think you could do, you know, maybe you're doing, if, if we're going to call this sort of like cyclocross base or late base right now, then you maybe do a bit of that sort of tempo sweet spot there and you could mix it up with some cadence or maybe the odd like sprint type thing, like periodically, you're sort of maybe simulating hills or some attacks and stuff that you're going to have to do off-road when you're on doing cyclocross. And I think as we get more into August and you can certainly go into more of like those, you know, I guess cyclocrossy sort of micro burst workouts, your 3030s or 1515s. Um, and I, I really like those to become outside workouts where we can start doing some running and stuff with those because you can do like 30, 30, 30, 30. So you're like uh, pedaling really hard for 30 seconds, sort of coasting easy for 30 seconds and then running for say around 30 seconds, like a run up or something and then coasting for 30 seconds and then doing it again. So it's a lot going on, but you're on and off your bike and pedaling really fast and you're sort of alternating, right? That sounds terrible. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I mean, if you can set up a course for it, it's pretty fun workout. You don't have to think a lot, right? You sort of time out the segments before you get going and then you just sort of ride the course, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you sort of coast through these corners and you hit it when you get to this part of the course and you get to relax when you're at the top of the hill and... Yeah, it's pretty fun. And it's, it's again, if we're talking about specific, it's a pretty specific workout. So I, I like those ones. But again, on the trainer, you could do just 3030s or 1515s or mix those in with a bit of threshold or sweet spot, right? So you could do 10 minutes of 3030s. So 30 seconds hard, 30 seconds easy for 10 minutes. And then maybe do a steady sort of sweet spot threshold interval. And then do another 10 minutes, 3030. And then 10 minutes of sort of sweet spot threshold. So you're not doomed. Um, I, I think you're in the same boat as a lot of people, honestly. Yeah. Um, but as, I, honestly, especially as the fall, like, as, you know, as the weather gets crappier and crappier, I'd say, you know, two thirds of the people who race cross are on the trainer most of the week and not outside training. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like one uh, sort of practice of some type and then some trainer workouts for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially as, depending on where you are, like the weather just goes so poor, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the you start losing daylight too. So for the nine to five person, you're in tough, tough situation there, right? And I mean, indoors is nice because it is efficient, right? So a lot of times if you only have 45 minutes to an hour on a trainer, you know, you might accomplish similar, mm-hmm. right? And, and we can debate like the value of that half an hour warm up, cool down and that volume for sure. But I think you're okay. And I think if you're good at racing cyclocross from a tactical and technical standpoint, you know, if you have the the fitness and the snap to, you know, do well on the first lap, I think a lot is in your favor because you've gotten sort of that head start. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Good luck. So next question is from Joe. He's vegetarian and trying to eat quote unquote good. Uh, He's looking for any suggestions, pointers, things to steer clear of, and he's willing to cut back on cookies and beers. Um, First of all, I admire your resolve and willingness to cut back on the cookies and beers. That's often where I fall quite flat (laughs) in my uh, healthy eating for sure. So 
I really like this question because when I was writing Fuel Your Ride, my cycling nutrition book a couple of years ago, my intro started with me describing uh, my life as a former vegan. And it talked about, you know, one of the meals that I was eating when I was in my early 20s that I, at the time, called totally healthy because I was vegan. And it was um, vegan chicken wings, a vegan milkshake, vegan fries, and vegan buffalo dipping sauce times two like i ate two servings of all of these things um i really like food as it turns out but point being uh you know i tended to think that being a vegan or being a vegetarian was this healthy option because i wasn't eating meat um and you know you see so many people talking right now about oh like you know veganism is the ultimate and like healthy eating or you know vegetarian is like the only healthy lifestyle and you can totally eat healthy as a vegan or vegetarian. You can also eat like absolute crap as a vegan or vegetarian. Um, so and it, the same goes with literally any diet, I think. So is there something like, you know, let's say we're still going to have beer and cookies a little bit. We're going to try and cut back. What would be things within that vegetarian framework yeah, I mean, that, I, like what what are people missing? Like, how do we make this more healthful? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really boring, to be totally honest. We're we're coming back to that eat real whole foods, you know, start with, you know, plate full of veggies, add a good protein source, add some healthy fats. So for a vegetarian, so a vegetarian, not vegan, you know, that could look like an omelet with a ton of veggies in it you know, with a little bit of olive oil that it's cooked in or a little bit of butter that it's cooked in, um, you know, any of those options. Honestly, eating vegetarian is fairly easy to do, like pretty healthy. And, you know, now there's so many different vegetarian like options and yeah, things that's you true. can go for. A lot of times people forget. I always get confused when we get vegetarian omelets and then there's eggs and then you have to re-explain to me what's going on. Yeah, um, vegan is definitely trickier. Um, it's absolutely doable. I would actually recommend if you're into the the vegan healthy eating, Sonia Looney's podcast is fantastic for a lot of like plant based information. Uh, she was on our podcast a few months ago, and she's one of my you know favorite resources for all things plant based without being kind of too um, too over the top about healthy eating. She still you know indulges in fun you know, fun treats and stuff like that. She's not raw vegan, no, no fun foods whatsoever. Like only, only green things and green juice, etc. Uh, so I think she's a really good person to, to look to for info on that. So I guess one thing would be just trying to like, I think the, like a grass fed butter, you know, some really nice eggs that you're getting maybe locally. Um, just cause like there's the choline B vitamins, that type of stuff. Uh, that hopefully you can be pulling out of that. And then the healthy fats out of maybe like a butter uh, ghee type thing would be good. And then I think the other thing I would go after is maybe like a, I, I would do more research than I do currently into sort of soaking and sprouting of like lentils and chickpeas and even nuts, seeds type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I feel like you're going to have to be eating a fair bit of that. Yeah. And I know it's absolutely cliche, but the couple main things with being vegetarian that you tend to miss are going to be protein, iron, and B12. Mm. Uh, there's, you know, just tend to be much more animal product based. So, you know, 
whey protein is always a great option as like an add-in if you're if sure. you're not vegan pea protein is an option for vegans uh, vega does a pretty good mix of like hemp pea and i think brown rice proteins that i i really like um, but i also like a good whey protein yeah i guess if you could do like whey and eggs you could be in pretty good shape as yeah, far as exactly. leucine and stuff too yeah. yeah so that's that's kind of the biggest thing is uh it's hard to get a full amino acid profile when you're vegetarian because most of the time most vegetarian sources of protein don't have all of the amino acids in them i know weirdly if you eat rice and beans that actually combined is a full complement of the amino acids yeah i think that's what they usually say is that it's as long as you're eating sort of a variety of things right and not just like you only eat lentils or you only eat beans or something who was it you heard someone talk about you know trying to have like 25 different food type like Oh, that was on the Dr. Bob's podcast, our interview we did, uh, just talking about having f- like a variety in your diet. So trying rather than tracking calories or something, just trying to track how many different foods you actually eat. Um, and so like a, a Snickers bar wouldn't count, but you're thinking like I had carrots, lentils, eggs, butter, so on. Um, it's sort of interesting. And I think it was over the course of a week. And I think it's actually pretty hard if you're a vegetarian, you tend to fall into pretty big ruts. I know I definitely did because it's honestly easier sometimes to be in a a bit of a rut with that stuff and Mm -hmm. just kind of be like, okay, these are, these are the meals that I always have. And because it's simple and you know, you know, you can eat it and you know, you're not going to have to worry about animal products being in them. Yeah. And it's tough because I do think that there's like some sort of like monotony and routine is actually good. Like I think a lot of people struggle because they like need all these sauces and like variety. And so they're like getting, you know, that's where you end up having to go out to restaurants to get professional chefs and stuff. Right. Or, uh, whatever. But like, I think when you have like, I have eggs and sweet potato and vegetable. Usually we have like greens or something in that with our eggs. But I think you can mix that up, right? So maybe you have potatoes one day, sweet potatoes the next day. You know, you have this type of greenery, like kale one day, spinach the other day, broccoli the other day. So you can sort of mix up within that, right? And maybe it's eggs one day. And what else would people have for breakfast? Yogurt. Sure. Another day you could do like a yogurt berries type thing. That's a little bit more... You could do leftover meat, for an example, right? Some people have fish for breakfast. This is not vegetarian friendly. Sorry, but I'm more to the point that you can like vary stuff, right? Yes, yogurt. Absolutely. Yogurt, though, is another one. Like you yeah. said, dairy's all fair game, so that's perfect too. Uh, yeah, and I mean, if you are vegan, there are tons of even yogurts now that are coconut milk based or any of those things. But again, you you do need to be pretty aware of the protein content if you're an athlete who's well, you know, think, serious about performance. I think too, if we're talking about you know, we're trying to do this vegetarian thing, right? Is it like a whole foods? I think you also want to be careful. And I realize we've said whey protein and stuff too, but just, are you eating again? Are these single foods? Like, is this a carrot or is it like yogurt made from coconut with gour gum and like all these additives? Right. And I think some of that's fine. Like I, you know, we have almond milk beverage and stuff like that. Right. Uh, but I think you just want to be careful because some of that stuff people end up in there like have mysterious gut injury or gut, uh, you know, irritation forever. And they think it's the dairy. They think it's all the stuff. And it's like, no, it's just because you're having like all these food additives, right? Oreos are vegan. Well, maybe Oreos are, are okay. I don't know. Um, so I think that's when you're thinking, okay, maybe not even like I like, again, coming back to the question that we're trying to like reduce the beer so you know a lot of people have great success just you know a couple nights a week just don't have it 
Um, and then on top of that, just try and make sure you're covering your bases with whatever the protein source is and that there's like a significant amount of vegetables on most plates, right? Mm -hmm. I think rather than thinking about dropping beer and cookies, think about adding like mm -hmm. other stuff, adding more veggies, adding more protein, because, you know, if you're more full on these positive things, i.e. you have a you know big salad with a ton of greens for dinner and you've had protein, so you're feeling pretty satiated, you're probably not going to reach for the second, third, fourth cookie, second, third, fourth beer. Yeah, that's what the there's there's two things. I guess when it's clients, when they start, I usually give them it's a precision nutrition based thing, but it's sort of a checklist and it just when you eat. Is it a meal and the meal must have like a protein source, a vegetable source, a carbohydrate source and a fat source. And they have a pretty simple way of measuring that using sort of like your palm, your thumb type idea, but just checking. Right. So like obviously cookie and a beer, we maybe have a carbohydrate source there. Right. Like it's it's pretty iffy as far as vegetable, not fat, a meal protein. Right. So now could you have sit down? It's, you know, patio season. Could you have a beer? with like a salad, you know, maybe what are we having for protein here? Like some, some lentil chickpea mix here. Um, and then what are we else? What are we missing? Throwing some quinoa in there to get some carbs. Well, the lentils might even cover that, I guess too, right? It's but, true, yeah. Uh, maybe you have like a lentil or what a black bean burger. I had a vegetarian black bean burger the other day that was actually really, really good. Mm -hmm. So something like that, right? So anyhow, you're, you're picturing that plate and is there a meal there? And there might be a beer as part of that meal, but at least, you know, that's good. And, and the second piece I had with that is when you have a meal like that, there's this, the theory, at least I think it makes a lot of good sense that when you have significant amount of protein, especially if it's, we'll call it nutrients, that then you're not, your body isn't ravenous to keep eating because it has the nutrients it needs. So not even just strictly calories, but like you've gotten enough vitamins, minerals, so on, that then you don't need to continue to try and eat cookies because you've got significant amount of nutrition. In it. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Apologies for saying cookies and beer so many times because I feel like now everyone listening is like, kind of want a cookie and oh, a beer. That's fine. Just put a salad on top of that. <laughs> <laughs> salad cookies. Yeah. Dip your lentils in the beer. Yeah. All right. Next question here. Uh, Hannah asked, how do you manage to stay focused on training when first starting a full-time job? So Peter, I know you've had a couple clients who've, I mean, gone through this in the last couple of years. And well, career transitions. We have university students starting university and then I've had them all the way through and then they're starting real life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, having having worked a few nine to fives and, you know, quite a few bartending and, you know, I was, you know, student athlete while working and all of this stuff, um, a ton of it just comes down to, you know, think like, thinking about okay how does my racing line up with what i have the ability to do um and i mean you know at some point it there's there's a little component of sacrifice like there's there's i'm not, i'm gonna blank on who said it but there's that statement of like you can really only do a couple things well so you can either you know be a great social butterfly friend you know, partner, was, it whatever. Was like family work or sport or yeah, something. Yeah, family right? work, sport. So you can be Pick that. Two. Yeah, exactly. So you can be that great person who's like the best friend who's there for like every, you know, uh, happy hour and, you know, always around to hang out and tons of time for family. Or you can crush it at your job, you know, be the one that's you can count on to do all the extra work and everything, which when you're first starting a job is probably the position you're in. 
or you can be, you know, a great athlete who nails all their training, nails their nutrition, nails their sleep, has all of that stuff going for them. Uh, but it's pretty hard to have all three of those things all at once. Yes. Yeah. And I think the way I think about it is periodization, right? Mm -hmm. So we're, that's the way my brain works. That's what my day involves mostly is planning stuff, right? And that's all periodization is, is planning. And so I think if you know you're starting work, hopefully you've had some sort of warning that this is coming down the pipe in the case of like a university student finishing university or someone going back after pregnancy is another common one. Um, you know, you've had some, you know, job hunt for a while. So you know that this is coming in some way. So I think it's just not planning you know, the biggest race of your thing, like months, you know, during that period. And then even like in the months after, right. Because I always say, can you prepare for the goal that you've set? Right. And so you're going to have longer hours, you know, you're going to have to maybe go out and socialize a bit with people at work. You're gonna have to learn your job. You're gonna have to do a little extra work. It's not going to be easy, like routine to start. Right. Yeah. I actually have a couple of friends who've been signed up for really big marathons, um, who've actually then, you know, so life happened and they got a new job or something came up like that. And they've actually deferred to the next year, mm -hmm. um, because that wasn't realistic for them. And, you know, they stayed motivated by signing up for some smaller races and focusing on that stuff. But they looked at what was available for training time once they were back at work or, you know, once they had a baby or any of those things and just realized like okay this is just no longer a realistic goal for me this year and that's fine like, that's absolutely fine yeah and I don't think it's it's that you have to stop necessarily I mean sometimes you just have to hustle and you know you're a hundred percent in on work and you know there's someone a client was trying to refer one of their friends to me and I guess they deferred because they're um, in an industry that is booming in Canada right now. I don't want to be too specific, but due to changes in the laws around certain things, um, <laughs> they're, they're ideally positioned. So if they hustle for the next extended you know, bunch of years, they're going to be quite well off. Um, and, and that just makes sense. Right. Right. So. You know, sometimes there's just this time you have to hustle and like life presents these opportunities one way or the other. Right. In the similar fashion, I've had people who the cycling goes really well and they decide to suspend school for a while. Right. 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 Um, so I think that's just the choice you make. Right. And I think there's there's a glimmer there at some point. Right. Where you, you know that that's sort of the, the way you're going to go, the bet you're going to make. But you can absolutely like even if you're you know, pretty hectic at work. And even if, you know, you're focused on home stuff or any of that, you can still maintain athleticism. It's not, oh, sure. it's not to say that anything is going to drop off. You have tons of clients who only have like four or five hours a week. Well, our previous, train. our previous question, right? That three to five days a week. And mm -hmm. usually it's about an hour. Often it's on the trainer and, th and that's fine, right? It's just, it's not, you know, you're not training for something like dirty cans. Uh, I'm sure people do it on the trainer. Um, I'm sure there's lots of companies that want to make you think that you can do it only on a trainer, uh, but it's not the same, right? It's not hot. It's not hilly. It's not gravel. It's not, you know, all these things. So I think you just, you can still be making moves towards that. You could be still maintaining some fitness or trying something new, like just try high intensity for a month, right? Mm -hmm. can, uh, everything works for six weeks. So try it and, you know, come around. Um, you know, try and get out with friends and stack some social time. You know, maybe this is a good strength training block because maybe there's one at work. I know a lot of people have started into jobs and there's lunchtime workouts are all of a sudden there, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, never, never be afraid of the 20 to 30 minute workout. Like you can do a whole lot in 20 to 30 minutes. You know, if that's what you have, like you can very easily maintain fitness on 20 to 30 minutes a day. Yeah. I mean, I described those couple of cyclocross workouts. Like that's my go-to for when people are traveling is like that warm up for five or 10, smash out some 30 thirties for 10 to 20 and then cool down until you're okay. Yeah. And I mean, I'm pretty excited to see, you know, obviously we're, we're in kind of weird industries, but in pretty much every industry that I can think of where I know people rules and like regulations have relaxed a fair bit to where, you know, it's no longer like a, Oh, you're the weirdo that went out for a lunch workout. It's, Oh, wow. You went out for a lunch workout. That's impressive. Um, so it's, it's a little bit more normalized, I think, now to, to do stuff like that. Yeah, some sort of flexibility, you know, leave, start early on a Friday or work from home on a Friday or whatever, right? Shift the whole day, every day of the week is, is actually fairly common now, too. A lot of people start at 7 and finish at 3 or whatever it is. Yeah, and it's it's hard to say it, you know, coming from someone else, it, it sounds really annoying, but honestly, don't panic. Like it's this too shall pass, I guess. Like at some point you're not going to be new to the job anymore. You know, you're going to have a little bit more flexibility. You're, you know, your, your life is going to become yours again. So this is, yeah, just kind of periodization of life. Like Peter said in the beginning. So yeah, it doesn't take a lot to maintain too. Like if we do a couple of these trainer workouts or, you know, get it on the weekend, you know, maybe you can still get out for a longer ride on the weekend and then one or two during the week, whatever the one or two are. Um, Mm -hmm. you'd be surprised like it's not the same like you're not taking it you just haven't sat on a couch right like so I mean if you can do a little bit of maintenance like that with whatever your sport is I think you're in pretty good shape and and like I say almost treat it as as similar I have a bunch of clients or not a bunch it sounds horrible but it's the season for now we're starting to get injuries right so a couple collarbones have happened um, and then sometimes it's like an opportunity, right. To try something different, whether that's, you know, some strength training or, you know, really specific trainer workouts you like we've been talking about. No one does that or rarely do we do that in most cases in the, in the summer, right. And usually people are outside doing big adventures and stuff, but then all of a sudden you're on the trainer being super specific, right. And it's maybe something you wouldn't have done. Yeah. And then at these all, it's funny how much these questions relate to each other, just kind of an randomly but the first question we had about the standing desk you know how can you optimize your work environment so can you make your work environment specifically you know a little more healthy can you have a lacrosse ball that you occasionally sit on to massage your glutes while you're lunch stretch while you're working i mean if not a workout could you just start walking Mm -hmm. you know a bit more to and from work or just like lunch break is just like an hour walk like like i say i think that's for my fitness for racing i think if not health, I guess, which is maybe the base, but I think walking is like just amazing. So that might be even just the thing. Like you just some, that's with the energy and time you have, you do that. Maybe you can do some calls on that too. Mm -hmm. And this kind of leads very neatly into the next question from Jess, which is just, uh, any tips on getting into a consistent routine and sticking with it? So similar to, you know, what we were talking about last or two weeks ago with the morning core routine when I shared that one. Um, so yeah, my my big thing is I am an obsessive checklist person. Uh, I use an app called Todoist, but you can do something similar in GCal. I have, you know, a few things that are on my to do list every day that just recur. So every time I check them off, they just move to the next day. 
Um, morning core is one of them. You know, logging my training is the other. Uh, there's a bunch of them I've got, you know, cycled through over the years. And, you know, eventually they become pretty routine, like taking my HRV. I used to have to actually check that off on a checklist every day to remember to do it. Um, after a few years, it finally started sinking in that I needed to do that when I woke up. But I find the act of being able to check something off, fit, like physically hit the little checkbox and, you know, see it as like one task done for the day is hugely satisfying. Um, and also, frankly, it just reminds me to do it. I'm a huge uh, fan of David Allen's Getting Things Done book. Actually, one of our first episodes was one of his organizational experts on talking about how to get in workouts and, you know, organize your life around them, which is still one of my favorite episodes. Uh, but yeah, for me, just the constant list making and having it always there so it's not just in my brain occasionally popping up as like oh right you should meditate today or oh yeah maybe you should do that morning core it's on my checklist in black and white yeah i'm trying to think of other ways that clients have sort of adopted is, is this specific to core or is this just any routine any of working routine, out like healthy routines I think a lot of it, you, you got to, like, I think Molly's checklist, if you're a checklist person, that makes sense. Or like scheduling it is something that I try and encourage people to do. Um, especially if you're, you know, more in the executive side of things, maybe your, your calendar, like maybe is shared maybe with like a, an assistant or something too. Sometimes that's helpful to just like block out that time where you just can't be scheduled for anything else. Um, the other thing we do is like, we have sort of, we have a pull-up bar sort of a doorway pull-up bar so it's like sort of there as a reminder you might have a yoga mat or even just dumbbells right and you don't have they don't have to be like all over the house or anything but just so they're there as a reminder and you're almost tripping over them it's true yeah. our yoga mat is literally right outside of the bedroom so you can't actually leave the bedroom without stepping on it yeah and i mean that's not for everyone i guess but that and then i, I the the idea of pairing habits is is fairly well supported so it maybe is hard in the first couple of days, but it's something like, you, you know, you can't have breakfast till you've done your core workout, um, whatever that is. And, and again, I don't think the core workout needs to be crazy. It could be, you know, the first couple of weeks, it might even be better if it's just, you know, you do 10 push ups and 10 sit ups. Yeah. Super easy. Wherever you are in the world, you can do that. You don't really need any equipment. You can do that anywhere. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then build from there. Right. And maybe the days you have a lot of energy, you do an extra set. Or you do some squats or something, you add that on, but you know, that's all you have to do. That's the minimum, but you got to drop and do that. And that's before you get to like open the fridge or before you get your coffee or however you want to. Yeah. When we had uh, the ultra runner, Jax Mariash on, she said her morning routine is she does squats while her French press brews. So she gets she has it a going. Timer and then the four minute timer type thing. Yep. Does some squats, does some push ups, stuff like that. And when it's done, her coffee is done and boom, she's got her coffee. She's already done a little bit of workout. Perfect. The other thing I was thinking about is, um, and you know, like I actually debate that if this works for everyone, cause I know it's not really my jam, but accountability partners, like there's so much research done about accountability and it definitely works. Um, well, I mean, even I guess, cause we both do core, right? Yeah. So if that's, I see you, that's probably part of yoga, it is yeah. I have a built in accountability partner that sort of annoying sometimes and gets up a little ahead of me and gets started. So I have no choice. Um, but you know, I know that the kids these days are big on the, the thing that popped in mind is that kids are big on the Snapchat streak. Uh, 
Right. Uh, so like every day they're, they have to Snapchat to each other. So if you could do that with a friend or, you know, like Instagram or text or whatever the heck you do, do that with a friend for your morning core, like, and start it as a streak. Sure. Like, I think that would actually be a really awesome, super cool thing to do, honestly. And that yeah, and I of- think with just one person, like, I think I'm, I'm more on board with that versus like an actual social media campaign yeah but. no i like the one person i'm i'm a fan of this idea and it also goes with that uh jerry seinfeld's like red check marks in his calendar mm. like starting that streak of doing things oh when he was writing jokes or something yeah so yeah. he wrote one joke a day and if he didn't he couldn't put a red x through his calendar and, and he, you don't want to break the chain once right. you're a few in so it's really getting past that first few days once you start getting those check mark marks uh ticked off And I think, I mean, this is somewhat self-centered or self-serving, but the, like having a coach or a training plan, or, I mean, there's lots of apps that are free and training plans that are free, but a lot of times it's the what, right? So it's easy for me to say, oh yeah, just do 10 push-ups and 10 sit-ups. And then if you feel good, do squats. But like some of us, that's not, you know, common sense. It's not our everyday, right? So, and if we're talking about like an actual bike workout or something, it's like, well, what are you doing? What's the purpose of today? Does anyone care if you're doing this today? Right. So a lot of times that's with coaching or with a training plan. At least there's, again, it's sort of like Jerry Seinfeld's X, you know, on the calendar, you know, did you do this thing today? So that could be the 10 push ups, 10 sit ups, but it could also be, you have a workout today. Today's just an easy spin check mark. You did a 30 minute spin mm-hmm. and then tomorrow is like some hill intervals, you know, and you don't have to guess. It's just, you know, Four by four minutes, as hard as you can on, on your mountain bike, check mark. Yeah, routines really only work if you have a plan for them. A little bit, yeah. And it doesn't have to be complex. It could be 10 push-ups, 10 sit-ups every single day, but it could also be something a little bit more varied, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So hopefully that helps. Let us know if any of those tips start working. I'm particularly excited if the accountability idea ends up working. So hit me up if that does. Um, All right. Next and last question. Steve wants to know how nutrition training and recovery needs change after the age of 50. Um, So I'll let Peter pretty much speak to this, but I'm going to start by saying um, I think every every time we start saying like in our 30s, in our 40s, in our 50s, in our 60s, um, we need to remember like age age is what I'm going to call a social construct to some extent. Like you didn't magically change the night you ticked over from 49 to 50. You know, a lot of the stuff is gradual. There's, there are plenty of 50 year olds who absolutely kick my ass. I mean, Laura Van Gilder is one of the most accomplished cyclocross and crit racers of all time. She's been, you know, she's still winning pro crits and she's been, she's over 50 now. Yeah. Um, and she still just absolutely annihilates the competition. Um, at the Summit 700 this weekend, second place, you know, only 90 seconds behind me was 49 and in phenomenal condition. And then, like, it's, she was fast. Like, you know, she was the 17th finisher out of 200, including a lot of men much younger than her. Sure. So, you know, it's, it's not necessarily that once you're 50, it's just all downhill from here or that as soon as you tick over into that, you need to suddenly change a billion things. No, I think there's, there is some, we are aging. We yes, are, yes. we are going that way. Uh, maybe you are Peter, but, uh, there is that sort of like maintaining the, the body, right? Like, and sticking with it. Like, I think that the problem with a lot of the, the models we have for aging is that a lot of us 
get more responsibility and have office life and then have whatever kids we have, you know, just different things, right? We're slowing down. It's getting, you know, why, you know, you're getting more comfortable. You don't have to hustle around all day doing stuff. Right. So there is somewhat some variability there. And I think that's where you see some of these people that just keep at it for whatever reason. Sometimes they, you know, maintain for longer at least, right. Or, or their curve is slightly less steep. Um, but there is some inevitability there. Right. And there is some difference. Mm-hmm. Um, as you get older, and I would say even at 35 now, I felt certainly difference from when I was 18 and could just slug out workouts all the time, right? Recover the next day, uh, just slower. And, and I would say also along with that is just, again, responsibility and working more and, and everything else. So with that preamble, I think two resources, uh, Joe Frill's fast after 50 is a book, very good. And it has, intervals and working outs and plans but then also gives you a bit of the science and joe's now i think into his 70s um and still rides and stuff as well um but he is obviously one of the most accomplished cycling coaches um and has sort of tracked his i guess decline uh in terms of ability and just what he can do and can't do uh, so he, that book is just really, really good. So I draw on that one a fair bit. A lot of my clients are, you know, certainly 35 plus, but you know, a lot are into that 45 ticking over 50, some in the sixties. Um, so just, I, I think it's important to have that perspective. And I think if I try and highlight key things in it, strength training, we're trying to preserve muscle mass. So not necessarily directly for cycling, but trying to preserve muscle mass. Cause we know that that's going to help with body composition. And we know that that's going to help with things like power Um, And then also just activities of daily living, right? Being able to walk around, generate, you know, have more energy. Uh, So strength training becomes more important. He talks a lot about just intervals, doing, not shying away from intensity, which again, this is something that's a variable for a lot of us. We get older and we think, oh, we don't do those intervals anymore. But he makes the case that actually we probably should be because that's what we need to try and keep maintaining is that VO2 max, that sort of top end. Um, and that, in fact, our endurance probably is more than good enough, right? Uh, so he makes a case for that. And still, that you, not that you can't do long rides, but just that you shouldn't shy away, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, again, when we talk about things that, like, is that actually aging? Or is that just that we've all decided that once you're 30 or 40 or 50, you just don't do intervals anymore? You don't, right, you don't, right. You don't breathe hard anymore. Um, he makes the case for more recovery, which I think is no brainer, but he sort of, he describes it and I'm always like, uh, it almost confuses me more, but he describes like the week is randomly seven days. And so he makes a case for like an eight or nine day week, which I find makes it more complicated, which I think is more me just being dumb, but his case is for more recovery days between hard workouts, basically. Mm -hmm. So when I was 18, you know, three hard workouts in a week in seven days, maybe now it takes 10 days. Right. So maybe that's what we're thinking. So we're thinking two hard workouts, maybe even one hard workout a week, you know, and more recovery. Right. Right. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other big takeaways from that book. The book is amazing. So I would recommend that. And then I think the other resource is really Phil Maffetone, The Math Method. Um, and it's it's going to confuse you because it talks much less about intensity. Um, but it is really good as far as a nutritional standpoint, you know, veggies, feels a little on the low carb side of things, but I don't think irrational with it. Um, And he talks a lot just about sort of healthy living, not doing stuff to excess. Um, And he's had great success with athletes of all types and abilities. So I think maybe dabbling in that as well might, might give you some ideas. 
Yeah, I think the uh, the only other thing I'm thinking is just, you know, as we get older, we do need to just be more more specific about what we do maybe. So, you know, if you're not sure about nutrition or, you know, you're a little worried about something like, you know, osteoporosis or, you know, what your what your vitamin D levels look like or anything, it's fairly easy to get blood work done these days and just kind of check in on that stuff a little bit more frequently. Mm. Um, so, you know, check in on that, keep an eye on your sleep and your sleep quality. Um, you know, actually maybe start tracking stuff like that, you know, track your HRV if you haven't before, you know, just start getting some more metrics so you have a better picture of how, how things are actually going. Uh, the situation's probably not nearly as dire as you might think it is. Um, I, I often think the situation is a lot more dire with me and then I do a little bit of tracking and I'm like, oh, actually things are not so bad. Uh, so that's, that's kind of my two cents on that. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Just. I mean, you can go in and get some stuff sussed out if you think, you know, if you've noticed a big change, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll we'll actually try to find another expert to speak a little bit more on this idea of training after 50, because I think, you know, as, as we and our audience start inching up in years, it becomes more and more important. So stay tuned for that. Um, but I think we're going to we're going to wrap up there. So. As always, we would super appreciate if you head over and subscribe to the show on whatever podcast app you listen to. If you leave us a rating or review, that would be amazing. Um, I know a lot of you have already, and thank you so much for that. Um, but it's it's super helpful for getting more guests on the show and you know just putting more of these out. And if you have any questions or suggestions for who you'd like to hear from, definitely hit us up over on consummateathlete.com or Twitter, Instagram, at Peter Glassford and at Molly J. Herford. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. 